This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. And now, Christ and Pop Culture presents Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson. Straza, and with me is Hannah Anderson. We're your hosts for Persuasion, the place where fine ladies, rational minds, and the best kind of company gather to discuss all sorts of ideas and issues. Thanks so much for joining the conversation today. We're so excited to get back at it here at the start of the new year. So let's start with that. Happy New Year, all you listeners out there, and Happy New Year to you, Hannah. So glad to be talking with you again. Yes, I I feel very energized oh, good. to be back with you, Erin. Um, I had a good um, holiday break. Um, took some time off. Really, just spent it at home, being at home nice. with my family, being present. You know, in our last series, we talked about vocation and how so many people are working from home, mm-hmm. um, and I do. And I find that even though I'm home a lot, I'm not actually home. Yes. I don't know if that makes sense. Like it my does. mind isn't relaxed and always present because I'm juggling work and domestic life in the same space. So over the holidays, I had the chance to just be, like just be at home That's as if awesome. I'm checked out, I'm clocked out. Um, so it was really great. And you know what I found? You need that. Oh, yeah. You, you need that on off um, because after it was done, came back into the new year and I really feel ready to go again. That's awesome. I have had that same experience where once I get out of the the rhythm of working at my home, like if I go work from another location or get a break away from home, we we actually traveled a little bit over the the holiday break, which was fantastic. And so then when I got home, it felt like it was new again. You know how that is where once Mm -hmm. you're at home for so many days and you're in your work mode, you're thinking in work terms. And then when you leave and you come on back, it's like, oh, it's my house. And it was so lovely just to come home and feel like my brain had a rest. I wasn't in my go get them attitude every moment of every day. And so now I do feel energized as well. So yeah, I'm ready to dig back into all sorts of work projects, including persuasion. So I'm, I'm really glad to be back here with you today. Yes. And luckily for us, um, you and I actually had talked about what we were going to do in this next series before the holidays, which yes. I, I have to admit to listeners is not always the case. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. But sometimes, sometimes we have conversations off air for for weeks, for months. And that's the case with this new series. So we actually, we've been talking about this on and off since about mid-October, late October. And so this has been brewing. And I'm really excited that we get to kick it off. Finally, here we are. So we want to welcome you back. And we want to welcome you into our next series, the Winter 2020 series um, of Persuasion, where we're going to be talking about 
ironically, um, the concept of home. Um, we're going to be kind of exploring what it means, the the family, the home in the modern West, because I don't think that's always as simple as it sounds. It's not. Uh, things are in flux. I mean, we've talked about this in a variety of our series, how home life is different, how our technology has invaded our home life, but it also has made so many things about home better. Um, our family lives are different in in terms of how we operate. And so home is just this really different concept than what we often have in terms of the idealistic version. So I, I think we need to hash this out, and I'm really glad that we get to do it. And of course, you know, socially, there's a lot of flux happening right now, too. There, in the last decade, we've had massive rewriting of our understanding of what makes a home, what makes marriage. Mm -hmm. um, we are working through both as a society and as churches, what is sustainable sexual ethics? Um, what do we owe to our unions, to our families, to our children? So there's this broader context that makes a conversation like this, um, you know, really necessary mm -hmm. and feasible. But again, I have to be honest with listeners, it's not that broader context that got us thinking about this, right? <laughs> oh, no. There was something very like, specific that happened that got us like thinking about this. <laughs> As it is in the digital age, most of the time, the things that trigger our thinking is online drama yes. or online controversy or some kind of hot take. So... So what actually got us thinking in this direction last fall was something that happened within the conservative evangelical space um, as it relates to women, the church, ministry, and some pronouncements that came about toward the end of October. For those of you who aren't familiar with um, the scenario that we are setting up, there is a pastor, John MacArthur. He's faithfully served his church, Grace Community Church in California, for I think 50 some years now. Um, and that church hosted a conference and there were some panelists that were brought up for one of the sessions and John MacArthur was on that panel and they were asked to play a sort of word association game. So, so the moderator threw out a topic and said, hey, whoever, panelists, you need to give a, a pithy short re little reply when you hear this topic. And so John MacArthur went first, and the topic given was simply Beth Moore. And to that, his response was, go home. And then that set off the flurry on the interwebs as everyone started analyzing and chiming in on what that means and if they agree, yes or no. And it, it kind of went on for several weeks. I think. Oh, it was oh. it was ugly. It, it was, was ugly and else. dramatic, and it was exactly the kind of thing that the social media world longs yes. for. Yes, it keeps <laughs> us talking, and it's drama. But underneath it, the the subtext of everything that's going on, um, for those who aren't familiar with the evangelical space, is um, just questions about the roles of men and women 
in the world, in church ministry. Um, Pastor MacArthur takes uh, a very traditionalist view in terms of um, what it looks like uh, for women to be in spaces of teaching or preaching. Um, Beth Moore has been for decades um, a Bible teacher, particularly to women, and she has a thriving ministry a publishing ministry, a speaking ministry, and in the last few years has become more outspoken um, about the the contributions of women to the church and the viability of women speaking into conversations that have been traditionally um, dominated by male leaders, um, pastors, seminarians, that sort of um, context. And in particular, she had come under fire for um, speaking at a church in the pastoral sermon slot on Mother's Day. Now, some people will just see controversy wherever it is. We know that. We get that. <laughs> this is true. Um, <laughs> So it wasn't that so much as there is this underlying tension about gender roles, not just in society at large, but within the church. And so this was kind of building for months. Yeah, this Um, isn't new. It's not as if this was the first time that this topic has raised the the discussion and then the ensuing flood of response. Yeah, it's it's been around. But what was fascinating was the pithiness mm-hmm. of the reply. Yes. That two words could encapsulate the entire debate, mm-hmm. at least in Pastor MacArthur's mind, that the question was one of um, simply going home. Right. And what that implies. I mean, there, there's it's two words, and yet it's... He- it's loaded. It's packed with meaning. And in some ways, um, depending on the person, you may see that as a as a positive thing or a negative thing. Um, but we were left, I was left to read into some of that. He he did expand upon his comment, but just the phrase go home, it stirs up all sorts of ideas and connotations like, oh, what does it mean this? Does it mean that? And I, th- those are some of the conversations that we had, Hannah, as this was going down. It, it, there, there's so much that that could mean. And, it, and basically, we're pulling on the, the history of what has been um, advised or prescribed for women and and where their space is and is not. And so then we're pulling on all of that to pack in and to understand what does this phrase mean for us? And our conversations were trying to sort that out. Well, what does that even mean? And what's implied there? And and it's it's a short response, and yet it's not that simple. Right. And I think people actually took from it what they heard home yes. to me. Yes. So uh, even both negatively and positively. Yeah. So like I saw some responses was like, what? You don't value the home? <laughs> right. Like he just said, go home and you think that's a cut? Well, that tells me what you think of the home. Yeah. Or, you know, for some people it, it did sound dismissive. It yes. was like, go home and then he went on to expound on power dynamics and how men are called to leadership and blah, I want to say blah, blah, blah. That sounds dismissive, but 
essentially blah, blah, blah. I guess yada, yada, yada. Yes. We'll do that. More of the same. <laughs> More of the same, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Here I am trying to redeem myself. But the point was that however you conceptualized home and that phrasing go home was essentially um, eliciting all of this multitude of responses. Yes. And and for me, it triggered things like we have a phrase, go big or go home, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So in that case, we use the phrase go home as you either try really hard or you should just give up yeah. and go home. And home is a place where you sort of nurse your wounds and you you hole up and, and don't bother coming back. Right. And and so in that way, when you tell someone to go home, it is very negative and it's saying something about your ability, your um whether you are welcome in a space or not. And it's almost like we don't want you here, so then just go there and stay. Right. There. If you can't cut it, yeah. Yeah. Go home. You need to go home. Yeah. Living in below the Mason Dixon line, right? I live in the mountains of Virginia. Um there is also this heritage of um, people who came from the north mm-hmm. that come down here, right? Or who have, after the Civil War, the kind of carpetbaggers or whatever. And so there is also the phrase um, sometimes floating around, Yankee, go home. Which right? is one so, that I was not really familiar with. <laughs> I guess I yeah. haven't ever heard that um, sent to me. So, <laughs> Because you're in Illinois I and am. you're already home. Yes. You're where you're supposed to be, right? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> but but that is a question of you're in the wrong space. Yes. Yes. Like you shouldn't is, be here. You are out of place here. You, yeah, you you're, don't you're fit. out of place. Yeah. And so home there has the idea that you belong somewhere. Yes. Right? You yes. need to go back to where you be- you belong and you've stepped out of your role, you've stepped out of your space. And that can also be seen, like, if you want to flip that around, that could be seen as positive. Like, oh, you do have a place, but this isn't it. Go go to the place where you do fit. And that would be the kindest um, take on it. If if we would say, actually, you do have a place. It's just not here. (laughs) So so go to that place where where you are um, welcome or the place where you are meant to be. And. With all of this conversation and drama that was happening, I really came away with the sense that none of us actually know what the home is. Like, I came away with the sense that some of us are using it pejoratively, even though we would claim the otherwise, Mm -hmm. right? So it, it was so striking to me that the same people that would verbally honor the home and talk about the dignity of motherhood and the importance of domestic life and the value of women, you know, exerting themselves to giving themselves to this vocational calling. We're also contrasting it with because men are supposed to be in authority in places of power. Mm-hmm. And the subtext is men do the important authoritative powerful things. Mm-hmm. You go back to the place that's weak. Mm-hmm. You go back to the place that's not socially powerful. You go back to the place um, of, like you had said earlier, kind of retreat and yeah. nursing your wounds in mm-hmm. this place of um, – and I thought that was fascinating because on the one hand, we're, we're telling women, no, no, the home is worth committing to. The home is so valuable. You need to be there. Mm-hmm. 
But at the same time, we're saying, but it's also not socially powerful. It's also not a place of social influence. It's not a place of social leadership. It's not a place of. um, And so there was that disconnect. Um, There was also a disconnect for me of understanding the the relationship between church, work, Mm -hmm. ministry, and home, and social power. And I just came away saying, you know, the real question here is not what men and women should be doing or where they belong, right? The real question is not all these gender debates that we give ourselves to. The real question is, if we were to go home, right, (laughs) if we were to take this advice, we don't even know how to get there. Yeah. We don't even know what we're talking about. Or we don't know what we're talking about. Or here's the simple definition of it. And it just means you are in one spot, women are in one spot, and men are in another. It's and that's not enough. That's not enough of a directive. It's not enough of a description. And I think that the 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 battles that we've seen on this topic, it's because we don't have a good sense of what does it mean to have home? What is the home? What's your home base? What's it for? I mean, that was something that I was struck with is, okay, but what's the purpose of the home? And that's where my brain was really going on this. It's like, oh, go home. Well, for what purpose? And and what would that even mean? And I think the reason why I went to that route is because Mike and I, it's the two of us, we don't have kids here at home. So we've not had that traditional structure. So our home has always been a little bit different than the norm. And so our purpose of our home isn't going to look like what is the traditional church family. And and so we've had to wrestle these things out of, well, what's the point of our home and and what what am I doing as someone who is not a mom? I I'm a professional person working. Is that okay? I mean, is that something that is allowable? And so I feel like it's a um a definition that has been um rather narrow and not looking at, well, what would the point be of being at home or what's the point of shaping a home, building a home? What are you doing there? And so it was raising all of those sorts of questions for me. Yeah. And I think the tension that you're um, illuminating there just by your own lived experience is the fact that your home is legitimate. Yes. Right? Yes. So, so what you and Mike are doing is truly a home even if it looks different than the kind of traditional nuclear religious mm-hmm. family experience mm-hmm. that is presented as, oh, this is actually a home. Yes. And so the question is, what makes both of those things home? Yeah. Like, what is the deeper, richer definition or understanding that transcends just um, domestic forms? Yes. Or the different kind of practices that that surface level veneer of family mm-hmm. and home. What is it that says yes, you are a legitimate home, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a family that looks like this is a legitimate 
home, and both of those spaces um, are called to something. Yes. And it just felt like the conversation very quickly showed the weaknesses in our definition. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At BOW, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. It very quickly went to the the gendered women here, men there. And I think because Mike and I operate a little bit differently, we see because it's just the two of us. I mean, it's like, oh, we're in this together. Like, it's you and me. Like, it's the two of us figuring this thing out. Um and what does that look like as we partner together in our work, in our life? And I don't see home being any less important to Mike and his his desire to make sure that we have um, a collectiveness at our home and a, and a shared vision of home. And so I don't see it as separate spheres at all. And so that has not been our experience. And so I was trying to understand, okay... I, most of the men I know who it's not like they are only focused on the outward and not focused on home. So it's like that doesn't feel right either, because that's not what I'm seeing played out like in in real lives. I, I see that there is a, a shared sense of like, oh, this is our home and this is what we're doing here. And so I don't think that that delineation, that designation, that that separation is needed or or even that it's practical and in that it's actually happening in real in real life. Yeah, and I would say Nathan and I are similar to you in the sense that our dynamic doesn't fall neatly along, um, you know, traditionally assumed roles. And I end up being away from home more than Nathan does by the virtue of my vocation and calling and work. And I actually was reading about some of this. I remember when I first saw the drama hit, <laughs> you know, the the interwebs, um, I was away from home. And I was oh. actually at the end of a very long season of travel and was just feeling very low and sad, um, sitting in a hotel room, um, wanting desperately to be at home, um, but also knowing that I had been called to fulfill a certain ministry within my calling to be out teaching at this conference mm-hmm. for this particular weekend. And and it's not like I'm gone, you know, massive amounts of time, but it's enough that 
for me, I personally, in my personality, would prefer to stay at home. Mm -hmm. Nathan's really interesting because he loves to travel too. And it's not a point of tension for either of us that I'm actually the one getting on planes, you know, (laughs) multiple times a year, and he's the one staying home. We understand it as actually it's part of the larger vocation and giftedness Mm -hmm. and the way God is leading our family as a whole. And it just so happens that in this particular season, I'm the one that gets more uh, frequent flyer miles. Um, (laughs) But I do think your point to the fact that we have these structures in our mind, that this is what it looks like, yeah, right? And one of those structures, as you brought up, that is so ingrained in our mind is this sense of separateness. Mm -hmm. That not only are men and women called to separate spaces, but those spaces are like, almost hermetically sealed from each other. Yeah. Right? So there exists home and there exists society. Yep. (laughs) There exists the marketplace. And while I think those can be kind of helpful buckets Mm -hmm. to put certain ideas and conversations in, like you said, they're not accurate in the least. No. That's that's not how people are. And not only – is it not how they are like among, let's say, my circle and what I'm seeing in various spaces? It is not how it plays out around the world. And I feel like that understanding what is a, a modern Western U.S. perspective of how life can work compared to how does life work elsewhere That's needed because so many of these controversies and conversations are rooted in our perspective as what we can do in life as Americans because of our resources. And so having these separate women are here and men are there, it feels very much like, well, if you can make that happen, um, you should have these separate spheres of women tending to home and men being out in the marketplace. But that is not possible in most areas of the world where it's sort of like we all got to do what we got to do to survive. And so there isn't this sense of like, oh, you get to not work and not contribute to society because we have enough means. And and so to understand what is it that is um, scriptural? What is it that societal, cultural? What is it because you are privileged? All of those things come into this definition of home and understanding that Wherever you live, you are in that context and you don't even realize how that is influencing your perspective or your definition of the word. So we need to hash all that out and and try to sort it out, at least to get a clearer understanding of what does home look like and what does it mean across the board. Right. And I think what you bring up about social difference and social context is so significant to this conversation, because I know a lot of our listeners have probably come into these conversations or first thought about them in context of a religious tradition, Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? So if you are embedded in a faith community or you grew up in church, you probably first heard people talking about home and family through that 
that kind of lens of, of a religious, this is this is what scripture teaches, this is what God teaches, this is how he thinks about the home, family, mm-hmm. about our relationship to each other. And so it's very easy to begin to think, well, the ways that we get it wrong are ways that the church gets it wrong, right? Because I received it through the church or I received it through this religious conduit. Therefore, they don't understand home. But what I think we really have to do is is go back one more step and understand that a lot of times where we're getting it wrong, even in the church, is because we have been influenced by a larger set of assumptions in society. So the conversations that we are going to enter and say, well, yeah, this is kind of what we say in the church. You know what? It's what we say in society. It it is generally the same kinds of false paradigms that we're working with as a whole. And a lot of times our religious practice is actually reflecting our set of larger sociological assumptions. And, And those are the kinds of things that we need to kind of think about. And, and I want to give a quick example of what I mean. We've talked about this idea of how the home and larger society are not separate and domestic life and the marketplace are interconnected and that it's not separate spheres. But you know what? That's how society thinks of it. Um, that is how we talk about it. We talk about work-life balance oh, yeah. <laughs> as, yeah. as if there's the marketplace, and then there's your real life. Right, right. right. <laughs> or I remember uh, Nathan uh, shared this illustration with me once where th- this is somewhat a, of a gendered um, illustration, but it was as simple as which roads did a municipality decide to plow first, okay? <laughs> so you've got the snow plows, winter storm comes and you've got to make a decision which roads do you plow first and what traditionally had been done is you plow the main thoroughfares you plow into the city so people can get to work yes to the marketplace Mm -hmm. right and they found that they ended up with a they were still having a significant amount of accidents but they were having them on side roads, on the secondary roads where the caregivers, traditionally women who had been at home, were trying to get to places like the school, Mm. the grocery store, the library to run their errands. And so even something as simple as saying, wait a minute, we are conceptualizing the home as this secondary place, Mm -hmm. right? And the work of domestic life is secondary to the work that happens in the city with the right, corporate right. spaces and the office spaces. So when we make a determination of which roads we're going to plow, we're going to plow those ones first so people can get to their office. Right. And that kind of neglect actually led to harm on the society because it forgot that the work of home was just as significant. I mean, this is sort of like that sacred secular debate. Like, is there such a thing? It's like, oh, no, this is life. (laughs) This is it's not like there's home and then there's work. It's like, no, there's life. There is building life. And and part of living life, it is home things. It is work things. It is school. It's getting food. (laughs) It's all of it. And so by separating it out and acting like one thing is the thing and then the home is a secondary that that causes these 
these side road accidents. And so I love that illustration, Hannah, because I think um, as we've been outlining where we're going to take this series, it's almost like we are going to go down these side roads and look at the places where we are getting ourselves into some fender benders and, and how our thoughts and ideas are causing us to to crash a bit in terms of our faith and how that's that is um, playing itself out in our ideas and in our relationships and especially at the home. Yeah. So what we want to do over the course of the next um, six, seven episodes is really look at the underlying assumptions that we have about home and family. Assumptions that go beyond um, perhaps our religious traditions, but our religious traditions are influenced by. And so that when we are trying to make decisions about um, our lives, as it relates to work and family, um, home, domestic life, even our relationship to the church, um, we, we understand that there are these larger assumptions and paradigms in play that are shaping the very questions we ask. And we want to get to those kind of assumptions that we have and really, um, you know, bring them up to the light for observation and ask, is even this assumption valid? Mm -hmm. And if it isn't, in what ways do we need to rethink it? And how would changing our understanding of this small thing, even just slightly, even just turning it 90 degrees, give us a better sense of what is actually happening in home, in our familial relationships, I guess we're really just asking for the roadmap to home. Yes, yes. How do we get there? What does that look like? Um, I, I love this um, the structure that that you're proposing here, Hannah, with our our side roads and the map and the road. I feel like those are um, really good visual, like mental visual images that we can um, cling to and think of like, okay, where are we headed and how are we getting there? And we need to know all of these pieces to make sure that we're we're getting there in the most direct route and, and a way that will get us where we want to be, where we want to land. Because ultimately, we both believe that this is an important thing. And um, it's because the home is so important and it is so um, crucial. It's cornerstone to society and to our personal lives. That's why we need to discuss this. And so um, in that way, this directive to go home, it's like, okay, well, let's figure that out. What does that mean? What does that look like? And it's probably going to be different than what we're thinking of. We need to be stretched and um, consider it from all the angles and see where we land. Yeah. So we want to invite you all to come along with us for this journey. Mm -hmm. I guess we're going to extend the metaphor. Yes. And our next stop and our next episode, we're going to try to really um, press into the question of the vocation of home or homemaking or, or the calling of home life and family and how to think of it beyond the what we see as the veneer. Mm -hmm. How to think of it as beyond the domesticity or beyond the Instagrammable, um, you know, interior decorating or children or, or, or all of those things that, that we see as the surface 
of what we call home. But to really press into it as a, a deeper, richer experience, one that uh, validates both um you know, Aaron's experience of home and mine mm -hmm. and, and to understand what is the deeper, richer sense of what we're even trying to do when we talk about the work of home. So join us uh, next week um, as we press into that question. Each one of these episodes, as we look ahead, we're going to be discussing different perspectives and angles. We, we have a few excellent guests that we're scheduling and getting lined up. We'll have some resource recommendations. And uh, we're really looking forward to this next grouping of, um, of conversations and trusting that you'll come along for the ride and, and continue to tell us what you think, because um, your perspectives and what you all are experiencing with home will um, enrich this conversation. So we'd love to hear from you. Yes, as always, this is just the beginning of the conversation. Erin um, and I have the chance to talk about it, but we hope that our conversation sparks your thinking and that you end up having conversations with those around you, with those in your family, your church, your friends, and that you would have conversation with us. As always, you can join us in that conversation on Twitter at PersuasionCAPC, or if you are a member of the Christ and Pop Culture Members Forum, uh, throw up a thread and we will jump in and hash this all out together. We want to say thanks to Jonathan Clausen. He produces Persuasion and all the other shows in the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Give them a listen at ChristandPopCulture.com or go to iTunes and search for Christ and Pop Culture. All those shows will pop up there and you can give them a listen. We would love your ratings and your reviews, your comments, all of that. All the buzz helps other people to find us and then join in the conversation too. So thanks so much for listening to Persuasion and we will catch you next time. You have been listening to Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at christandpopculture.com slash network. Theme music by Maiden Name. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.